G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The Story 30 years ago, we participated in that student's moment in the Tiananmen Square when millions of uh, citizens came to the street telling the Chinese Communist Party, enough is enough. Uh, We were really just trying to call for a, a more democratic, freer country with less corruption. And little did we know we would be met with bullets, with uh, real uh, tanks and uh, machine guns. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Bob Fu was born and raised in mainland China and was a student leader during the 1989 Tiananmen Square demonstrations. He and his wife eventually fled to the United States, where he's written about his experiences in his book, God's Double Agent, the true story of a Chinese Christian's fight for freedom. We'll find out his fascinating story today as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Bob Fu, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric, for having me. Glad to have you with us, and we're going to find out about the activities that occurred during Tiananmen Square and then how you came to faith after that. But first, let's find out what was life like growing up in mainland China under communism? Yeah, growing up under communism, I think the first striking thing was we had been educated as atheism, follower of Marxism, and from my childhood in every textbook all the way to the graduate school, we were always taught that there is no God and God is just a, a tool invented by the Western imperialist as an opium to numb the Chinese people. So that was my kind of education background. And I was raised, of course, in a very poor family. My mother was a beggar. My father was a disabled man. And you can imagine how much social status we mm-hmm. had. Yeah. So we were always bullied. And so a deep sense of change was planted in my heart. So I was always uh, thinking how to really have my family being treated equally with some dignity even under that communist system. And so that's why in 1989, when the students' movement started, I, along with many other students, I organized the first protest in my university and the city and then brought a group of uh, students to the Tiananmen Square in Beijing and occupied part of the square for the peaceful protest. Can we just back up a moment? Now, you said that you were from... very poor background, but yet you were able to go to university? Yes. At that time, the Chinese uh, Communist Party still offered a kind of free education for the university, mm-hmm. um, f- especially for those of us who were entered into the uh, college, uh, the university, to be future teachers, uh, because teachers in China were treated with very low salary. So we were kind of compensated in the university with a free education. And when you were going to university, did you even know about democracy and freedom, the Western kind of values? I mean, that was what you were protesting for, but how did you even know about that? I actually learned a lot from 
both my own experience, of course, and from what happened at the time in uh, the former Soviet Union. Actually, Mr. Gorbachev was my first teacher. Is that right? Of enlightenment. In that sense, of course, I, you know, myself and my family had firsthand experience the terrible dictatorship would imply to your family. I mean, my, well, my mother was, I mean, almost dead during the so-called Great Starvation Time in 1958 to 1960, where the brutal dictator Mao engaged that so-called Great Leap Forward. Uh, moment mm. that uh, caused uh, at least 20 million Chinese died of starvation. Wow. And uh, so I noticed even under communist system, if you're poor, if you're not um, catching up with the political class, and you would be uh, treated miserably. And But freedom, you know, is always uh, in your heart that you, you want to have at least to be treated with some equality. And then I started reading some of the writings by Gorbachev, you know, who was a former communist and then became a kind of more a humanist. So I followed his path. And mm -hmm. uh, when he wrote that famous book called Reform and Openness. Okay, so that kind of gave you the idea. And so you and your fellow students began to protest. So what was it like in Tiananmen Square? Yeah, it's been over 30 years ago. We participated in that uh, student's moment in the Tiananmen Square, which literally can be translated as uh, the gate of heavenly peace. And uh, when millions of uh, citizens, uh, students, uh, workers, and uh, intellectuals came to the street, basically uh, telling the Chinese Communist Party, enough is enough, uh, we were really just trying to call for a peaceful transition for a, a more uh, democratic, freer uh, country with less corruption. So that mm -hmm. was the slogan at the time. And little did we know we would be met with bullets, with uh, real uh, tanks and uh, machine mm -hmm. guns, and that uh, hundreds, if not thousands of lives uh, were murdered, I mean, massacred. So that was a big turning point to my life and to many, many millions of Chinese uh, lives. So how did that feel? I mean, here you had this optimism. There was a feeling that maybe freedom was going to come to China, and then it was just squashed, like you said. How did that make you feel? Yeah, I remembered that um, right after the massacre, I was in our um, university campus and, uh, and watching one of my fellow comrades uh, who crawled, uh, crawled all, uh, uh, out of the Tiananmen Square with the, steel, with the blood still on his shirt and mm. uh, uh, barefooted and uh, crying out to the uh, sky, basically said, they did shoot, they did shoot with uh, absolute uh, despair and uh, unbelief because we have never thought the so-called people's government would send its own so-called people's liberation army to shoot its own people with uh, machine guns yeah. and uh, tanks. So that was uh, uh, the, the kind of experience I had. And then I was treated like a criminal being investigated, interrogated day and night until really I became aware uh, uh, of uh, the Christian faith. Um, that was uh, the time I was converted to be a follower of Christ. Yeah, how did that come about? I mean, at the yeah. time, Christianity was kind of illegal, but legal in state churches. Is that right? It was uh, 
kind of a restricted uh, mm-hmm. but legal in the government-sanctioned churches. Um, but I did not know about God and Christ in that uh, setting. I came to know the Lord um, after uh, one of uh, my classmates who handed me a booklet um, which was smuggled in by our American English teachers who were secret missionaries oh, okay. from Hong Kong. And uh, I read that testimony of a Chinese pastor and then became a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, so that was my uh, faith experience. So I imagine you were feeling very disillusioned after what happened in Tiananmen Absolutely. Square. Yeah. So you were we, we, kind we, of searching at that point in your life. Is that true? Yeah, I was so disillusioned and, you know, in despair, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. because I was uh, thinking I could be uh, sent to prison or even fired, uh, dismissed from university. I would rather die than being in prison as mm. a political prisoner because uh, that means none of my family members, none of my villagers, my fellow, um, you know, people in my uh, county have any uh, future um, mm. just because one people uh, is regarded as a political prisoner. So I was thinking to commit suicide, really. Oh, I wow. feel there's uh, no way until that moment when God really found me um, during that moment by uh, having me read that uh, testimony of a Chinese pastor. So my life was totally uh, changed and uh, transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Bob Fu. He's the founder and president of China Aid, an organisation which exists to expose human rights abuses in China. We'll find out more of his story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Bob Fu, the founder and president of China Aid, an organisation which exists to expose human rights abuses in China. As we heard before the break, Bob became a Christian after the Chinese government brutally cracked down against the student demonstrations for freedom in 1989. Now we'll find out what happened next in his life as he continued in university. I finished my undergraduate and then uh, went to my graduate school in Beijing. And at the same time, I already joined the Chinese underground house church movement mm-hmm. uh, where th- already there are millions of believers at that time. Mm-hmm. But 1989, the Tiananmen Massacre, uh, it was a tragic event, uh, and um, the politically, um, I think, uh, and legally, the Chinese Communist Party should be held accountable still uh, need to be held accountable for that massacre. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet, uh, I think the, in the secular media, little was paid attention on the spiritual perspective. Uh, that year actually also marked the start of the largest uh, spiritual revival among the Chinese intellectuals. Is that right? And before 1989, there's rarely a, a Chinese uh, intellectual who believe in Christ from university, you know, uh, students. 
I was regarded as the first generation of Chinese Christian in the whole university. Um, but mm-hmm. um, uh, that year marked the uh, big revival and continues. There are millions and millions of Chinese students and professors, um, lawyers, and uh, public intellectuals had come to Christ after 1989. And in my university alone, the church was even planted, and in the past 20-plus years, over 10,000 students were baptized. Wow. So here they tried to squash the yearning for freedom, but yet it just took another form where people found spiritual freedom through faith in Jesus. It is because the truth set us free. I think uh, after we, as students, we all knew we tried to rely on this social political institution mm-hmm. to reform and to give us more freedom. I think uh, in the end, we found uh, uh, only Christ can give us uh, the full freedom. And even though the any the dictators continue to imprison and to bond us uh, physically, they can never bind us. Uh, in uh, spiritually on our souls. Yes. And then next in your life, it shows that God has a sense of humor. You began to teach Communist Party officials English. Is that right? Yes. That's a part of uh, God's humor, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was Street Journal did a profile t- uh, calling me as God's double agent. That's my uh, the title of my memoir called uh-huh. God's double agent. And uh, partially, uh, I just uh, after my graduate school, I found this job teaching English uh, to the Communist Party leaders in the Communist Party school as a full-time faculty members uh, during the daytime. In the evening and the weekend, I was as busy as every other preachers and uh, starting Bible study groups and uh, house <laughs> church and even underground Bible school. Wow, so living a double life at that time. Uh, kind of, um, but I was not ashamed of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then, um, you know, after the Communist Party and the Chinese security learned that I was behind of this, then my wife and I w- were both imprisoned uh, in 1996 mm-hmm. uh, for being accused of uh, so-called uh, engaging illegal evangelism. Oh, okay. So eventually your double life was exposed and then you were in prison. Then what happened? Yeah, we were imprisoned uh, for uh, about two months, and then after we were temporarily re- released, we immediately were put under house arrest, and then uh, my wife uh, was pregnant without pregnancy permit. You know, in the Communist Party uh, system, you have to get a, even a pregnancy permit card. Oh, wow. Uh, for the Even for the first child, yeah, you need a quota um, by the family planning committee of your work unit, and uh, we could not get that even after we got married for three years. And uh, so if you, uh, if she's caught, then a forced abortion would happen. So oh, wow. we escaped uh, from Beijing and uh, hiding in the countryside for a while and in order to protect our first child. And um, then uh, by God's grace and really miracles happened, we uh, were able to escape uh, out of China and uh, into Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. At that time, Hong Kong was still under the British control in 1996. Mm-hmm. And so we were stuck in Hong Kong. Our son was born um, as a refugee without nationalities in Hong Kong. 
and uh, but God is faithful and uh, gracious, and we were ex- admitted uh, as U.S. refugees um, to the United States uh, three days before Hong Kong was turned over to China in 1997. Oh wow! Just in time to get out. Yeah, it was really very. We were counting down the clock for the handover and yeah. ready to be handed over to Chinese prison uh, if we were not admitted into a free country. So then you go to the United States. What was that like? That's correct. I mean, here we go. We landed at the land of freedom, and uh, I uh, felt, you know, sees my children. I mean, um, were able to sleep peacefully without worrying about uh, uh, their parents being arrested, harassed, or you know, for holding a Bible study. So I couldn't just sit still while I was, uh, you know, receiving uh, the phone calls, the information uh, from my persecuted brothers and sisters in China on a daily basis. Oh, you were so, able to keep in contact with them? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so that's why I, I, I felt, you know, the Bible also teaches us to remember those who are in prison as mm-hmm. if we yep. are fellow prisoners. So I think one of the ways I could remember and walk with my persecuted brothers and sisters is to be a voice for these voiceless brothers and sisters. So we established China Aid mm-hmm. with the purpose to walk with the persecuted by advancing religious freedom for all uh, in China with the three kind of we call the three E approaches by exposing the abuses of the persecution, by encouraging the abused, and by equipping the leaders of the persecuted. Um, so that's the mission of China Aid. Okay, and so what are some of the things that you've been doing with China Aid? Yes, uh, for the past seventeen years uh, after China Aid was established, we had been. The uh, leading voice uh, for those uh, persecuted brothers and sisters. I mean, even as late as uh, the day before, we have heard uh, multiple house churches were raided and attacked. And uh, so we got the first hand information. We immediately dismantled uh, to the State Department, uh, to the uh, U.S. Congress, and to other uh, media so that their stories can be heard. So uh, some type of pressure can be put to the regime and um, the persecution has been escalated um, uh, very, very rapidly um, in the past few years. And we also uh, help those persecuted brothers and sisters by providing family prisoners uh, funding and to support their children's education of those uh, uh, prisoners and in, in, in some instances, when those persecuted were facing the imminent uh, life uh, danger, we had to engage rescue effort. Um, so we rescued over at least uh, several hundred uh, people. How um, does that work? In the past, yes. How does that work? How mm-hmm. do you rescue people? Well, um, by God's grace, uh, was uh, really we um, over the years established an underground railroad, um, basically enable us to take them to the safe uh, relocation out of China first, and then with the help of uh, uh, many governments, including the United States and um, Netherlands and the UK and uh, and um, South Korea. So, uh, so we're able to rescue them uh, to a safer uh, location, and uh, most of them landed in the U.S. Mm-hmm. 
So you hear different things about persecution of Christians in China. For a while, it looked like things were starting to become a little bit more free, but now you're saying that it's going the other way. What, what is the case in China? Well, the persecution uh, against the Christians in China had absolutely um, worsened and deteriorated. I mean, in the level that we have not seen um, since the Cultural Revolution 40 years ago. Uh, oh, wow. um, we have Last year, we have seen over 100,000 Chinese Christians uh, were detained, and um, we have seen over 50,000 of them were uh, physically and mentally abused and tortured. And for the first time since the Cultural Revolution, we, we saw the, the Bible burning uh, organized by the Chinese government. For the first time uh, since the Cultural Revolution, we uh, uh, noticed and see the nationwide campaign to force the Chinese children uh, under 18 years old to renounce their faith mm-hmm. uh, with a prepared form. And even the medical personnel like uh, nurses and doctors were all ordered uh, to renounce their faith if they have their Christian faith. And uh, certainly we have seen the 21st century kind of concentration camp, even to other faiths in, mm. that's happening in Xinjiang, West China, to this very the uh, ethnic um, minority in China called Uyghur minorities. Mm. And uh, so it's, it's uh, I mean over uh, one, I mean over one million of them are in the concentration camp. Basically, wow. um, the Chinese government is engaging in ethnic cleansing and genocide. Yeah, and yeah, for the, for the Christians, uh, you you we have seen like uh, thousands of churches were being um, banned and um, destroyed. I mean, even the government sanctioned churches, thousands of them mm-hmm. were banned. And, uh, oh, wow, even the who, government-sponsored ones. Yeah. So wow. basically, the presidency declared a war against uh, faith and Christianity, against the church. Mm. And uh, those um, college students were not allowed even to celebrate Christmas. Um, so, I mean, in the universities. And so there, this is a major war. Yeah. Now, uh, of course, it's been like this to a certain extent for forever, I mean, for years in China, but you're saying it's getting worse. I'm just wondering if you could please explain to me why are the communists, the leaders, so threatened by faith? It's not just Christianity, but specifically Christianity. What what is it about Christianity that they feel so threatened by it? You have a very good point, Eric. I mean, in the Chinese church, we have a famous saying that uh, one more Christian, one less criminal. One more church, one less prison. You know, Christ, after all, the Christian believers uh, are the most peaceful, you know, uh, loving, yeah, caring they're good citizens. Why do they want to bother them? Uh, um, but somehow it, it must be a spiritual thing. This mm. uh, Communist Party under this president, Xi Jinping, uh, took Christian faith, especially as a national security threat, as a threat to the regime existence. Wow. So the, the, he masked this persecution all in the name of uh, the national security, the state, uh, the, the, they call the regime security. So uh, it, it must be very spiritual. They yeah. feel, um, I mean, when anything that is not under its 100% absolute control is regarded as the political threat. So mm. when... In one sense, every week when over 100 million Chinese Christians are worshiping uh, without the permit by the Chinese Communist Party, 
um, they felt that is a, a, a kind of a political uh, defined uh, and, uh, and and a threat. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, one reason that explains why they took uh, such a harsh uh, uh, turn against the Christian faith. I mean, the Communist Party. Uh, is uh, engaging this uh, so-called sanitization campaign um, in the name of uh, to make Christianity look Chinese. They would uh, 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 install the face recognition cameras on every pulpit, every church, uh, if they are uh, allowed even to exist. And uh, they would uh, um, now even uh, change uh, in one instance last year, at least we reported, that uh, when the, a group of Chinese Communist Party religious affairs inspectors inspected a church and found on the wall of the church there is a Ten Commandments, and uh, one of the leader, political, I mean, security leaders said, "Oh, the President Xi wouldn't agree with the, um, uh, that uh, commandment," um, and they removed the first commandment, and Ten became nine commandments. <laughs> And so that is the real extreme to to, to show yeah. how you know this is spiritual war. Wow. Well, final question for you: How is your family? Did any of them become Christians as well? Yes, actually, the good report is uh, I think the Chinese Communist Party has never learned the historical lessons. The more persecution there is in China, at least, the more believers, the more revival mm-hmm. there is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there has been, and uh, my then girlfriend, and uh, later on became my wife Heidi, was my first spiritual fruit, and then my father was uh, my disciple. You know, uh, one year after I became a Christian, and then uh, almost all my family members have already become. Christians. Oh, fantastic. So Christianity continues to grow in China despite all their efforts to persecute and squash it. Absolutely. That's his, uh, I mean, when the Communist Party took power in 1949, there's less than one million Christians. And today in China, uh, even a conservative estimate, the number of Chinese Christians has already reached to over 100 million. Wow. Well, that's the good news, but uh, of course the bad news is the persecution that's going on as well. Bob Fu, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Eric, for having me. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Bob Fu, the founder and president of China Aid, an organization which exists to expose human rights abuses in China. It was interesting to hear how the Chinese government tried their best to stop the university students yearning for freedom in 1989, but in reality, what happened was that many of those students were set free, but in a different way, as they put their faith in Christ and found spiritual freedom. To find out more about Bob's experiences, you can read his book, God's Double Agent, The True Story of a Chinese Christian's Fight for Freedom. And to learn more about his organisation, China Aid, you can go to their website, chinaaid.org. That's China Aid, where aid is spelt A-I-D. That's chinaaid.org. Well, thanks for joining us for Bob Fu's remarkable story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. The first uh, prison was the worst one. Not only that's uh, the moment that you're for the first time in prison, but for the first two months, I was put in the same cell with six other members of ISIS. You know, they were from various countries, uh, Sudan, also Libya, Egypt. They all were very proud of their Muslim faith, and they started to treat me very badly. 
Peter Yashek is a Czech missionary who was imprisoned in Sudan for 14 months and tortured by Islamic State extremists. Throughout the ordeal, he was moved to five different prisons. Remarkably, his faith was strengthened and he was able to lead many people to the Lord. We'll hear his extraordinary story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 